Welcome to the Persuasion Lab. This is episode one of our second season, and I would invite you to uh, review season one, but you don't have to. I'm focusing this season on leadership, and I'm going to start off with a quote here, uh, how uh, this informs how important is negotiation in leadership. And this is a, uh, a quote from a study done by, uh, I believe, uh, Cray and Hasselhun, two researchers, uh, the first being from the University of California at Berkeley and the other from the University of Penn, uh, Pennsylvania, University of Pennsylvania. Uh, and the, here's a quote. One of the most important attributes of a successful leader is the ability to negotiate effectively. And I talk about this quote a lot, and the reason why is because it's absolutely true. I've interviewed a lot of people, I deal with a lot of CEOs in my day job, and basically their ability to negotiate, influence, and persuade is a cornerstone of how they got to the job and how they can keep their organization floating. So. How can we be effective is the operative question. You know, very simply, you have to begin. You have to begin to understand that negotiation, persuasion, and influence is a critical leadership skill. And I want to back up a little and talk about leadership kind of one-on-one. As you may know, uh, leadership is not about you. Uh, this doesn't mean that leaders don't have egos or anything like that. In fact, if you don't have a healthy sense of self and what you can accomplish, you probably will not be very effective. But the minute the uh, organization, the team, starts becoming about you personally, then that's a leadership failure because leadership is not about you. It's about your impact on the team. So... When leadership is at its most authentic, uh, you can use different aspects of how to manage things. You know, strategically, what's your plan? Tactically, what do you do on your feet? Operationally, how do things run? And contingency-wise, what do you do when bad things happen when you're in crisis? And as I talk to you here, crisis is definitely a fixture in a lot of organizations way of of seeing the world. So in order for this leadership to be authentic in tackling those four things, strategies, tactics, operations, and contingencies, I think you really need to start thinking about, well, what part of it is persuasion? What part of it is influence? What part of it is negotiation? Uh, and hopefully by the end of this session, you will understand that probably more than you thought is involved with persuasion, influence, and negotiation. So let's further delve into, fine, Martin, you just told me leadership is not about me. Uh, so what is it about? Uh, well, another negative, it is not you being the hero, not you solving all the problems. So a way to look at this is uh, something uh, called the Karpman Drama Triangle. And this was an idea of a, uh, I believe he was in psychology, 
um, in the kind of mid to late 20th century. And he devised uh, different roles people play, and it, it forms a triangle. With the apex of the triangle uh, would be the rescuer, the hero, the guy who solves all the problems. And then on the left triangle, we have the problem-generating person. Uh, the persecutor, the person who is uh, making issues and problems and sometimes trouble uh, for the organization or uh, the uh, you know society at large. And then to the right is the person who kind of uh, feels the full brunt of that persecution. That would, of course, be the victim. And the rescuer, of course, is the go-between to resolve this conflict between persecutor and victim. It's all very neat, and we can certainly think of uh, how the leader is thought of this rescuer person, the problem solver. And I think if that's what you think leadership is, I think that is wrong. So how do we take this model, this three-pointed model of, you know, hero, problem solver, rescuer, uh, at one point this uh, victim or target of some type of villain, aggressor, persecutor on the other, and resolve it to form uh, how leadership exists and what a leadership's role is and what are the, the playing fields, if you will, on um, the persuasion, influence, and negotiation we're going to talk about today. Um, so the roles we play as human beings uh, was expanded. The Karpman model is actually expanded by um, uh, Dr. Diaz, who uh, in her model, she actually makes it into more of a diamond. With uh, At the apex, we still have the rescuer, hero, victor, if you want to call it that, or the problem solver, who has all the answers. Uh, to the left, we still have the villain, the persecutor, the, you know, the negative aggressor, to the right end uh, of these, uh, this diamond, if you will, this shape, is the victim, the target, the person who is the object of the villain's uh, efforts. And at the bottom, uh, she adds a fourth position, Dr. Diaz does, and she calls this person the vicarious, the bystander. So what is the bystander do the bystander kind of lets things happen? Um, we went through, you know, who the victor is, who's the hero. So, where is the leadership? You said, Martin, uh, you just told me you're not the hero, it's not about me. So, where am I in this diamond shape? Where, you know, if the, the four points of the cross, even uh, the top would be the victor, hero, problem solver, isn't that the leader? And I'm telling you, no. Uh, am I the villain, the guy who has to make hard decisions? Hey, you can't work here. Uh, there's a, a reduction in force, and you're just going to have to go. And the victim would be the employee that has to go, or maybe the uh, shareholder, maybe a victim who ha was asked to de-equitize down to a certain percentage because the line of credit wouldn't be granted because the uh, that individual shareholder filed for bankruptcy and the lender considers having someone who holds more than 20% a risk to the company. So there can be all types of victims in, a, in an organization is, is the point. Um, 
or someone who just does nothing, who kind of is vicarious, who stands by. That's at the bottom of our, our diamond. And my way of thinking is that the leader stands right in the middle of the diamond, in the middle of this cross, if you will. So there are times when the leader has got to be the bad guy, he has got to make tough decisions that will not keep everyone happy. In fact, if you always want to be the hero and making everyone happy, you are probably ineffective. Uh, think of in The Office, the Michael Scott character who wants to be liked by everyone. And because of it, he really doesn't make clear decisions, which, which ends in frustration, which ends in actually dislike. Uh, and uh, people uh, basically mutinying. So what we need to do is think about how we as leaders sometimes have the problem, sometimes we're the hero, sometimes we're the villain, you know, and sometimes we're the victim. Sometimes we're the target of something negative that is not fair. It may be a regulator. It may be a lawsuit. It may be um, a aggressive activist investor who uh, tries to trot out uh, very one-sided negative things in order to change uh, leadership of the organization. And there are times when good leadership is about being a bystander. It's basically letting your team do what they can do best, giving them the tools they need to optimize performance, not necessarily you micromanaging them or being a human backpack. So in this way, this middle position, uh, I like to call the... Uh, uh, you know the the sage the the guide so you're the guide for the team so i was uh when i was working at a uh, fortune 500 company i was uh leading a team of attorneys in a management role and they actually sent me to to school uh as a, a management training program and and the, the example gave, given by this um a yeah, Harvard professor was, uh, we would do this exercise in officer training school in the Navy where uh, we take a boat out a mile offshore and we tell everyone, get in and swim to shore. And that's all they would say. Uh, sure enough, everyone jumped in and you had the really A-level athletes sprint for that shore and pop up and say, I made it, this is awesome. Uh, and then you had... Uh, some people struggling. And then you had some people who were more concerned with getting everyone ashore and looking at the people who were struggling, trying to get them to shore. And the the why this is important leadership, well, the first guys on the shore were actually uh, washed out. They were not, uh, they were asked to leave officer candidate school. Uh, the people who got everyone ashore who was struggling, those are the leaders. And that's what it's about. It's not about individual performance. It's you as a leader, you are the guide. You have got to get people, whatever fears they have, to get through a result, to get to that beach together. Not about you uh, sprinting for the beach and hoping that um, and thinking that this was just a physical exercise. Uh, leadership is more than that. It's about getting everyone to a goal, to situation and our communications need 
to reflect that when we're trying to get people in a direction, whether it's a project team, if you're a project manager, whether you're the CEO, whether you're giving a briefing to investors, all these things are critically important that you communicate your needs to the world. You as a leader, um, you're going to have to assert yourself because people are counting on you. That's your job. You're going to have to make decisions. You're going to have to get people in a direction, and that is by persuasion, influence, and negotiation, what I call PIN communications. P, persuasion, I, influence, and negotiation. PIN communications are the earmark of an effective negotiator, and I am going to invite you to think about some groups that require very effective PIN negotiations. Let's think about it. Well, certainly the owners. If I have co-owners, investors in the organization, uh, they will be uh, voting for the board of directors uh, or the managers in the LLC. The members will vote them in. And I've got to make sure that we actually have a business here or a mission or if we're a nonprofit, if we are efficient in actually serving the population that we intend to serve. Um, certainly employees, you're going to have to have a dialogue with employees on, you know, the best and brightest optimizing the performance of the best and brightest in your shop and the people who aren't the best and brightest, how do you get them to a new level? So they perform for the team, um, your vendors as well. Uh, sure it's a contract, but vendor relationships can be very close and very strategic and, writing the vendor relationship off as I almost don't like the word vendor because I think of vending machines it's like put a coin in and something comes out well let's think about who are these vendors um, uh, certainly you have IT and technology but you also have like bankers uh, the people who handle your accounts do you have a personal relationship with them uh, I was talking about we and so does every management guru, uh, not that I'm a management guru, but uh, people talk about management, they're always about, we do business with those we know, like, and trust. Well, that has to do with um, being liked on some level, being respected on some level, I think is a more accurate term. So uh, once we have that respect, uh, people will go to bat for us. A banker may say, hey, I saw you applied to this line of credit, but uh, I have a lot of other people ahead of you, but if you want to go smoothly, here's a checklist. Um, can you, this is the really important stuff we need to see, um, rather than funnel you to a website where you fill out a bunch of blanks. Um, having a relationship with your banker, with your accountant, with your insurer, uh, with your lawyer is so critical. Have coffee with them. Um, have lunch with them. Develop a relationship so they know you're organization, what you're trying to do, and where you're going. And this familiarity, uh, they can see you so you're not a random person, more consistency. All these things help you be more effective at um, this PIN communication. So uh, the book, The Like Switch, which is one of many books written by former FBI agents, talks a lot about, well, people just want to be heard. People just want to be liked. Uh, people just want to be respected. Uh, that's his key to negotiation. And how you go about that is um, by acknowledging the person. And we're going to go over a few of those issues.
So those are kind of the the key elements of what I call pin negotiations, persuasion, influence, and negotiation, pin communications uh, more clearly. And when you're doing a pin communication, you want to make sure that uh, as a leader, you know how to do these uh, types of communications more or less cold because if you are not performing at your level, uh, chances are you have a communication problem. And in the next episodes, we are going to work the biology of, well, how do we have these persuasive, influential, and negotiation-based communications? Uh, because uh, we're going to have to get beyond the biology uh, in order to get to the higher learning, the frontal cortex of the person we're trying to persuade. And we'll talk about that in our next episode. I want to thank you for listening. This is Martin Medeiros in the Persuasion Lab. Please uh, check out the website, martinmedeiros.com. I'll spell it M-A-R-T-I-N-M-E-D-E-I-R-O-S.com. There's resources. Uh, I try to publish my research, and you will have the opportunity to uh, get a hold of our newsletter, which we try to keep you current on the uh, science of persuasion, influence, and negotiation. Martin Medeiros, once again, thank you for joining me in the Persuasion Lab. <laughs>